We have a purpose in Grundfosse, and it's, it's, it's pioneering solutions to the world's water and climate challenges and improving the quality of life for people. And I think that the duality of that, so both caring for the planet, but also caring for that people have a good quality of life, that shows that it is not only environment, it is environment and it is sustainability. Hello and a very warm welcome to this, our second series of transformation stories from the award-winning Veltec Café. Last year, we spoke to more than 25 global brands and industry experts about their experiences of digital transformation. And this series is no different. From airlines to retailers, manufacturers to healthcare companies, this is a podcast series that strips away the digital buzzwords and challenges what we all thought we knew about our industry covering topics from the circular economy to customer experience, emerging tech to composable architectures. We're removing the filters and getting to the bottom of what's really going on in digital today. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. For those of you who follow this series, we have a special update for you. You may remember a year or so ago, we spoke to Jesper Olsen, Group Senior Director for Digital and Customer Excellence at Grundfos, about the expectations and realities of organisational change. In one of our favourite ever interviews from the 25 Days of Transformation series, Jesper gave us a great insight into the challenges the business was facing and what was being done to address them, from legacy systems to data to a focus on the people. 12 months later, and Jesper joins us again to talk about the progress that's been made, but also to give us an update on something equally important. As a leader in advanced pump solutions, Grinfoss has a keen focus on sustainability and the environment. In fact, to them, sustainability is a mindset, a way to do business. It's about bringing value to the world, their clients, and their employees in the most sustainable way. So lots to catch up on, Jesper, and welcome back. Thank you very much. So as I said, it's been 12 months since we last spoke. I'm looking forward to hearing what's been happening with Grinfoss over the last year. Time flies when you have fun. (laughs) I think uh, a lot of things have been happening, but but of course we have an, an overshadowing theme for all of us called COVID-19. So that is not special to, to Grundfos. It's probably not even special how we, how we handle it, but it has affected all of us to a large extent uh, all over the world, basically. So working from home has been a new normal for, for a long period of time. Uh, luckily, we in, in Denmark are back to the offices. It's not the same all over the world. So, so that has been quite nice to come back, but, but the working from home part has also, I think, uh, instituted a new way of working. We probably touched upon it the last time, but, but when we look at uh, what can be done remote, what can be uh, achieved with, uh, with people sitting from home or wherever they like to sit, the lack of demands of being together physically, uh, that allows for a more diverse and more geographically spread employment force. So I think COVID, at least when you look at, at working environments, that has changed quite a lot. And, and I think it's here to, to stay. 
Uh, that is at least what we see. Then we have also, uh, despite COVID, seen uh, good sales. Uh, and I think that actually takes place in most businesses. There might be you know, a few hotels, restaurants and so on that has suffered along the way, but also we can see also a great appetite of getting back to normal and actually utilizing that. But for Grundfos, it, it, has, been a, it has been a strong year in, in 2021. But the, the strong year also comes with supply chain difficulties. So we see issues both in the transportation sector, we see issues in you know getting raw materials, we see issues in an overheated job market, hard to get qualified people that you need. Hopefully, then the not working in the same office will kind of offset that to a certain extent. But COVID-19 has been an overarching theme, I think, for all of us. Then we have decided on top of this, just because it wasn't difficult enough when we just had the COVID-19, then we decided to do a, a, a minor organizational change. So we have basically moved from a, say, a matrix organization. It's, of course, still a matrix to, to some extent, but towards organizing around customer segments so or divisionalize, if you like. So, so that has also been a, a huge change for, for Grundfos and the way we are set up. And of course, this is with the, with the background in serving our customers better than we did before, but, uh, but also a, a little change on top we have done. Wow. So lots of big things that have happened, clearly. Just going back to what you were talking about on the, on the COVID front there and mentioning, you know, uh, the impact of COVID from a working from home perspective and a changed way of working perspective. Dare I say it, do we think that in some ways COVID has proven to us, to companies, to large companies, that it is possible and that actually it is a a strong alternative to working in offices, I should say? I would say both yes and no. So there are lots of of strengths on working from uh, remote places, being able to do workshops uh, with uh, 20, 30 people online, we wouldn't have thought that would be possible. But I also think that there is an appetite to be together. There is an appetite to, you know, when I come into a face-to-face meeting, people are more excited than usually (laughs) for seeing me. It's a different energy, isn't it? It is definitely a different energy. And I also think one of the things that that made it work out very well was that we knew each other before we went home, so to say. Where you can say that onboarding new people. So I had a a colleague we onboarded, um, you know, a month into COVID. and, And he didn't see any of us for months, right? And it's difficult not to have the network and not to know people on, you know, the coffee machine talk and so on. So I guess my point here is to say there are a lot of good things that are here to stay. We will not be in the office every day. We might be two or three days a week. However, it suits. It gives super good flexibility. But it also comes at the expense of something else, right? That now you basically need to call somebody or set up a meeting and you you will not have the coffee machine talk or just walking over to the to the desk next to you. So I think there are good things and less good things, but I think that the combination of working together in the office and working from home 
is is really strong and if we are able to fit that together in a in a good way then i think we we have come out stronger than we went in yeah agree it's definitely shown what's possible but doesn't necessarily uh, mean that we should uh, change change things completely um you also talked about the war on talent that's something else that i'm sure lots of other businesses have seen how have you been trying to tackle that and and attract new people into the organization in this remote way that we are all facing at the moment i think when we look at could say the old way when you where you attracted talent that to some extent lived you know within driving distance because you expected them to to come to the office uh, four or five days a week and so on so so in in that sense we have expanded could say that our our search area or the area where we can actually uh, attract talent from but so has everybody else so it's where we could have it's wrong to say a safe zone you know 50 kilometers around our company that is gone now so i i think that attracting talent you have a much larger pool but you are also in a much more fierce competition around them and i think also that that increasingly it's probably me getting older and not not anything else but than that but <laughs> But so the, the people that come out of university or the education and, and are job seekers are also, they are probably more picky. You know, you don't want to, to work for just anybody. And with the, you could say, job market broadening, they also have the opportunity to say no to the locals, right? And, and go global, even though they don't move away. So I think that having that battle for for talent that is increasingly fierce and it you need to put an effort in right to be attractive to that talent yeah for sure people are definitely caring more about what their companies stand for so okay let's go into that in a bit more detail then we talked last time about the huge organizational challenges that you were working with that you'd experienced at Grunfoss during the digital transformation i'm wondering if there have been any highlights from an organizational standpoint that you'd like to share with us you know what have you seen during the past year from an organizational standpoint at Grimfoss I'll revert a little bit back to the to the organizational change that we have been through and are going through right now our new organization came live January 1st this year so almost 11 months ago and the idea with the change was to to move more towards customer centricity the idea of being more relevant of course to the different customer groups and when we do that moving people towards uh, differentiation it has a cost on efficiency and overall excellence understood in, in the way that of course you want to be excellent in differentiating but what happens is if you break up old centers of excellence into to, to segments and so on, you also get, you could say, that the, the knowledge hubs becomes smaller within specialist areas. So there is definitely what I see is a balance between differentiating, so having specific customer knowledge uh, around applications, uh, segments, so on, versus efficiency. So how do we drive the most efficient organization? So I see there is a, a balance that can be hard to strike. And, and how do you make sure that the specialists you have do not move into being generalists or even disappear in those changes? So that has been 
a lot of the work that we have been going through the last year. How do you keep your expertise, but at the same time become even more customer-oriented than you were before? And of course, for us, it's been a breakup of the old ways and into the, the new ways, and that gives some unrest in the organization. Let's go into that in a little bit more detail then, Jesper. So how do you strike that balance? How do you find the balance between efficiency and customer knowledge and making sure that people don't become generalists? And talking about that more, why is it an issue if people become generalists in your business? If we start from from your last question, then I would say if you want to be something for the customer right you you need basically deep knowledge within that but what you also can say is that when you design a lot of the solutions so that could be products or it could be you know digital platforms or it could be something else that meets the customers then you want to be as as relevant as possible and i think it's the same as saying so you want to go from a to b so you could either you could drive or you could take your bike or you could walk or you could fly or you could, could whatever. So you would have a, a, a generalist that could be your driver and take you there, right? On on either of these, it might be a tandem if it's a bicycle, but nevertheless. And, and that is fine, but it's also, you know, you'll not get there fastest because the driver can do all these things but are not specialized within driving a car, right? So it's also... How good do you need to be versus how general are your skills and do you need to be? So an example here is when we, in, in my areas, of course, around the digital, so when we do marketing automation, so do I only want to do simple newsletters via my, my email Canon, or do I actually want to make sure that I can do targeted experiences on my website, also uh, highlighting spare parts, completely relevant for you as a visitor and of course i want to be relevant also but if you as a person need to take care of 10 things instead of deep diving into two you become a generalist and you as a company you need generalists but you also need specialists so that is why i see it can become a problem when you have knowledge hubs that you split up I mentioned earlier, we were going to talk about another aspect of your organizational change and your focus for the future. And that's what I introduced in the introduction there around the environment and sustainability. So we're interested to find out more about what your ambitions are around sustainability at Grinfoss. And maybe you could tell us a little bit more specifically about what you're actually doing to, to meet those objectives. Grinfoss is a, is a value-driven company. And environment and sustainability and and sustainability is in its broad context here that is very dear to our our hearts we have a purpose in Grundfosse and it's 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 pioneering solutions to the world's water and climate challenges and improving the quality of life for people and i think that the duality of that so both caring for the planet but also caring for that people have a good quality of life that shows that it is not only environment, it is environment and it is sustainability. Then we have set specific targets on UN Sustainable Development Goals. So we have a target on reducing our own CO2 emissions with 50% by 2025. 
we have a goal on halving our water cons- consumption by 2025. And we also have a target on that we want to provide safely managed drinking water to 300 million people in need by 2030. So we have targets around the climate part, but we also look at, of course, the people part through providing the clean water to to 300 million people. So you could say in our purpose, in our values, in our goals, we have these things incorporated. And then, then you would probably say, what have you done then? What are the things you've done? And here we, we look at we look at the, the three areas again. So we look at we look at water, we look at climate, and we look at at people. And if if you look towards water, then there are two major problems with water. One is too much, and the other is too little. And we basically need to cater for both. So we have during the summer seen both droughts in in Africa and elsewhere, but we have also seen major rainfalls, for example, in, in Germany with, with a catastrophe as a result there. So so too much water and too little uh, water, that is basically two sides of, of that coin. Then we, of course, have the climate part, right? A, a humanly induced climate changes and uh, acceleration. That's very actual because as we sit here, we have the the climate meeting in Glasgow going on. So climate, again, extremely important. And then people, you can say um, we've had COVID, we've talked about that, still ongoing, but we also had a lot of things around uh, Me Too, equality of, of people and so on. We have poverty and, and other things. So these are, I could say, the three scenes we battle in. I wonder from an organizational perspective, when we're talking about organizational change, of course, everyone's aware of the vital importance of making change when it comes to sustainability, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, people, the climate, all the things you've mentioned. How do you actually make sure that that change is really felt across the organization from every single person who's in the organization and also, how do you make sure that it's seen as something that's not just being talked about because the world says we should be talking about it from a, I can't think of the word, but should be talking about it from a, a, a reputational position, but how do you make sure that it's seen as something that you genuinely, and that it is something that you genuinely care about, and it's not just part of marketing positioning or business positioning? Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. So, so you could say... First of all, we have been working towards energy savings for, for quite some time. So, so Grundfos was the main driver uh, in the European Union that actually got energy safety certification on pumps. And that was back in the mid-zeros that came out, so around 2006 or something like that. So you could say we have, in our products, always been looking into how is it that we actually save here. And it has, an, you could say, an economical side, but it also has an, an impact on our planet. When you then look at it from a business perspective, so in Grundfos, we basically have six KPIs we drive our business after. So we would have the, the usual financial KPIs. We would have the usual 
employee and customer KPIs, satisfaction and so on. But we also have, so one of the six are on sustainability. So that is, you could say, an integrated part of doing business with us. So we do not, you could say, score on all parameters if we don't score on uh, sustainability also. So including it in, you know, how you set targets, what you work towards, is of course a rather direct uh, way yeah. of doing it. Making if, it part of your DNA. Yeah. So yeah. so what I also can say is that uh, now I talked about before, uh, I talked about water, climate and people. What, what we have done already is that we have reduced our water consumption or the, the water, you could say, withdrawal, so the, the, what we pump out of the ground with 51% since 2008. So we have we are actually at our goal on that water part. If you look at our CO2 emissions, we have reduced 36% since 2008. So we are more than two-thirds of the way towards the, the 2025 target we have uh, set. We have made a reduction just from 19 to 20 of 35% of waste. So 35% less waste from 2019 to 2020. And that's on the climate side. And if you then look at the people side, we are doing quite a lot for, you know, that that people actually return to to work after being sick. We are also, we have more than 3% of our employees has a reduced work capacity. So we have, you know, loads of people here where we think here we can actually make a difference. And then we have also launched employee resource groups for, for pride, for gender uh, equality, for you know promoting young leaders, for, uh, for disabilities. So very much the, the focus on the people side. So, so I actually think that we are, not only, we are not only talking, we are also acting. Definitely doing. Yeah, I'm now just to reiterate that that 2025 strategy, I just picked this directly from the uh, Grimfoss website just to refocus on it. So as you've already mentioned, reducing water consumption and CO2 emissions by 50%, saving 50 billion cubic meters of fresh water through efficiency and treatment by 2030, which is vast. By 2030, we'll have contribu- contributed to providing safe drinking water to 300 million people in need and aspiring to be climate positive by 2030. So those are just parts of the things in your 2025 strategy, but obviously you've been mentioning everything that you've done to date. We also mentioned earlier on in the conversation about what this means, what this purpose means when it comes to the war on talent. And I wondered if you could tell any more about how these positive impacts that you're making are impacting people's decisions when it comes to choosing a company to work for and to commit their time to? What we see a lot when, when we have uh, interviews with, with talents and, and job interviews and so on is that purpose matters to people. People are purpose-driven and they want to do well. And I think when you when you look at the, you could say the general tendency in the public around people eating less meat or driving electrical cars or whatever they do, they also want to reflect that in their working life. So um, I, I would guess, and this is purely guesswork, so so no uh, facts at all, 
here, but <laughs> we working, for, Jack. <laughs> working for a tobacco company probably is not as attractive now as it was 50 years ago because, you know, tobacco kills people. And do you really want to be associated with that? And what are your thoughts around when you see some uh, spokesperson from a tobacco company uh, speaking up in public? So my thinking is, how can you look yourself in the mirror and actually promote this? And I guess this also goes for other companies, right? So where, where do you want to put your talent in? What do you want to be known for? Can you go home with pride to your family or in friends every day and say, I work here, this is what I do. My company actually does something for a better climate for people and so on. So I think, and, and I hear it mentioned basically in every job interview and, and every conversation I have. And if we look into our employee motivation survey and the results there and ask if people are, are proud of working for Grundfos, then they are to a very, very large extent. And I think it comes down to the values and it comes down to that it's not talk, but also action. Finally then, Jesper, what's next for you? What comes next for you at Grimfoss and what would you say to others when it comes to giving advice on making real change in companies of a similar scale? Because from what we're talking about, you know, companies of your scale, if if there was some kind of industry commitment that every company of, of your scale within the manufacturing sector or wherever was to commit to the same kind of targets and elements that you've outlined in your strategy, the world would be in a much better place. So what comes next, do you think? I think what I will say is that be bold in the choices you make. I think it, it, it pays off when we look at our politicians and how they struggle to make the right decisions. Then I think we must as companies, you know, take the, if not the first step, then at least steps before they actually dare to take them. And then you can say, yeah, but isn't it expensive? And isn't it, you know, will it end of the day kill me because, because as a company, because I need to, to put money in to do this and the others will not. I think you should, we should look at it in the opposite way. If you do not make the changes, if you do not walk the talk, Will you be able to survive? Because will you be able to attract talent? Will people actually buy your products? Of course, it needs to be balanced. But I think, you know, be bold and then make the, make the moves. And I think that we can do great business and do the right thing for, for society and planet and people at the same time. I, I don't see it as, as counterproductive. I see it as, as very much a, a cooperation between the between the, the items here and that can move us in the right direction. And then I think, you know, we should set demands for every stakeholder we have. So when, if some company wants to sell something to, to Grundfos, then we should put demands in, of course. We should make sure that they also do the same. So for me, it's, you can do the right things and it can still be a good, a good business to do so. Look at the, the windmill industry in Denmark. I think that is a good example on something that was something very hippie flower power back in the 70s, but is big, big business and is doing great things for the climate today. Yes, but thank you so much for joining us again. 
perhaps we'll see you in another 12 months time who knows but thank you that was a, a great conversation and um obviously incredibly powerful things that you're you're working on at Grimfoss so looking forward to seeing what happens next thank you thank you for having me You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.